0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen once again to The Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program, a show by Bike Racers for Bike Racers about all of cycling from commuting to competition. So, I'm Greg and, and with me as always is Matteo. Hey Matteo. Hi,
1: I'm Matteo. How are you? And I am with Greg Colby over there on the other side of the microphone. Now there was there was a whole bunch of noise in last week's podcast and I just assumed that it kind of sounded like someone was playing billiards in the background. And I asked you about it and you said, "No, it's just my cat." So now I just imagine that you've got a cat playing billiards in the background.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it would have been fun to be have been playing uh billiards in the background.
1: Did I say playing billiards? Do people play billiards anymore? Don't they just shoot pool? Who plays billiards? Um like
0: British people. Like British know. people. I don't trust them. Well, cuz because they're all uh refined and stuff yeah and i think that i think that at the like (laughs) high level competitive uh in in that area of the sport that it is referred to as billiards uh, i hear that you're not even allowed to be drunk
1: while playing high level billiards
0: yeah i kind of feel like that should be a like its own category of competition (laughs) right like (laughs) Like you know, you have you have masters racing. You have you know category one, two, three, whatever. Uh, you've got sometimes things like fat bike races, or or like if you're in the Pacific Northwest, you've got unicycle cross races. And I think that they should have sober billiards, <laughs> and they should have drunk billiards. That's just an idea. I'm just spitballing. Is this- Is is this
1: the response to every idiot who every time there's a doping conversation there's an idiot who says, you know, there should just be a category for dopers, right? So is this the response like every (laughs) other sport? Well, you should just have a special category for drunk idiots.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I, it's kind of, it almost makes me wish that there were more sports out there that uh, where being drunk and an idiot had rewards in terms of the quality of your play.
1: I, but you know I what's weird is that people would start to take...
0: It. Well, it might be it, yeah. Well, the problem, though, is that people would then probably, you know, because people who, you know, even people who are serious about pool get very serious about pool. So I think that if you had drunk pool, the people would then find a way to get very, very serious about that. And they would, you know, say, well, okay, now we have to establish, like, uh, a range for your blood alcohol to be in. And, you know, then you're going to want to make sure to get... You know, sort of like a boxer weighing in for a, a, a competition. You know, you want to be just <laughs> at the threshold
1: when they take the measure. You, you have to blow in. You have to breathalyze in for the competition here for drunk billiards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then and then all
0: of a sudden, it's like even more complicated than uh, normal billiards. Well, I say then even Then just more complicated, screwing
1: around so and shooting a... pool with a bunch of your dirtbag friends from high school. Oh my
0: god! That's pretty much what pool is for, isn't it?
1: This is actually no. a, a really good segue. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab the reins. I'm gonna segue here because everybody knows okay. that when you go,
0: <laughs> you're listening to the Working Man's Honest Billiards podcast.
1: <laughs> WHBP. Everyone knows that when you go <laughs> yeah. see your parents on Thanksgiving, the night before is that night when you go to the bar in town. And you kind of awkwardly see a whole bunch of people from high school who are also just in town to see their parents for Thanksgiving. And I actually I didn't go to high school in the town that I grew up in. So I would see like middle school classmates at the one bar in town. And I would kind of like try like not to recognize them. And I would be sitting there with with like my good friends. Because it's extra brother,
0: extra like, weird to see oh my God, middle school friends in a bar. I
1: think that's Keith Arapello. I haven't seen him since Little League. I don't really want to talk to him now because he looks like he comes here a lot. <laughs> so we Wait, just oh, kind of hang no, back in the segue. corner. I was going to segue. This is a Thanksgiving episode. That's right. This is the Thanksgiving. Right, episode we're of a special WCPP. Thanksgiving. That was my yeah. rambly segue. So I want to ask. You, I want to. No, wanna, it's really good. You're going to sound. You're uh, going to sound
0: great in the final edit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: All What's that your stuff that's left on the cutting floor is going to sound terrific, Greg. What are you thankful for oh, on yeah. this the Thanksgiving episode of the Working Men's Honest Bicycle Program? Uh,
0: I am thankful for uh, the uh, Super Prestige Spa Francorchamps uh, Cycle Cross race for putting every single race I've ever done in perspective. That's what I'm thankful <laughs> for. We'll put we'll put <laughs> a tell me more uh, about that. Yeah, we'll put a link to the last lap of this cyclocross race, this pro cyclocross race at the famous, uh, Spa race racetrack in Belgium. Uh, we'll put a link to that in, we actually have, uh, episode links. Uh, I don't know if, if uh, you people listening knew that, but we do. Uh, I, I publish along with the episode below the episode on our page are, our links you can follow and information. And you can find those, by the way, at, uh, standarddouble.com slash WHBP slash The number of the episode. Uh, So this would be standarddouble.com slash WHBP slash six is our Thanksgiving episode. So look for that. All right. Sorry for that long uh, explanation of links. But anyway, this is a new cross race. As I said, it's at this famous motorsport circuit. uh, And pretty much every single section of it is completely insane, uh, to the point of being nearly unrideable. It starts by going up. There's this very <laughs> famous uh, co- <laughs> The start-finish stretch is on this extremely famous, very steep uphill corner on this racetrack uh, called the Radelon. Um, uh, motorsport fans, please uh, send your emails to Mario, not to me, um, <laughs> about the pronunciation of that. <laughs> uh, and then they turn off. They go off a ginormous run-up, uh, like, you know, the kind where you're more crawling than climbing, uh they're off the bike like 90 percent of the time it seems because it's so muddy uh and so treacherous and so unrideable it was just you see that uh and oh and the guy who got second place got second place in large part because he just slipped in in uh, a wood section you know (laughs) it was it was uh i thought hmm i thought some of my races were hard but uh that really takes the cake (laughs)
1: You know, I actually haven't seen this yet, but I, I've seen some of the internetting around it. Um, you know, a few quick snippets of Instagram videos, and I like how you describe yeah. it as as putting everything else, everything else you've done, in perspective. Because you know, based it's on like a little bit that the, I've seen now, I'm thinking I have to sit down and YouTube this whole thing. Right. So we have to we have to explain
0: that, like, just you know, uh, so Euro Pro Cyclocross courses are crazy, crazy hard. Um, they are super technical, super challenging, and really scary. And this was like the euro Europroiest, Euro-pro-iest uh, cross course I think I've ever seen. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's even worse than your usual. And and when you've got you know, considering that some of the some of the courses you've seen with people you know going down horribly steep off camber uh, descents you know, with huge six-inch ruts that you have to commit to at, like, 25 miles per hour on a cross bike with cantilever brakes, you know, or you know, <laughs> if you don't commit to them, you are history. Uh Yeah, and this was... Even some of those races were looking kind of tame <laughs> compared to this that's race, excellent. so... Oh, yeah, it was kind of awesome.
1: Yeah, that's, all right, well... That some of that's that stuff that, that really makes me respect, like, the levels of bike racing there are. And you know, so I'm like a, a locally decent bike racer or whatever, you know? And and I've, I get to say that, you right. know, I've been in a couple races with a couple like like big deal names, you know? Um yeah. I, I, which is not to say that like, you know, I am actually it's, it's like I'm participating in the same event, but I'm not racing them, right? Um right. And you start to realize you're on the course at the same hit. time. Right exactly. It, but and you start to realize that it's not it's not like you're actually close to them, it, but you're like an order of magnitude away from them, you know, so I realize that you know the right. of the best people that I've gone up against is like I, I'm so far away from them, and they're so far away from the best people in the country, and those people are so far away from the best people in the world that it's you think like 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 cycling can be a little bit deceptive because you can see pros like right on the course you can race the same courses as the pros um and maybe every now and then you can think i, I can go that fast or something absolutely misguided like that and right. those things that put it into perspective are when you realize that no no, no no you're not close when you get to a certain level every step is an agonizingly enormous difference
0: yeah, yeah, and it's and it, it really it 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 all it makes all the pain and suffering and and uh, hard work seem that much more futile because it's like you uh, no <laughs> oh, but on the other hand I'm never going to be there but on the other hand uh, it's it's sort of not your fault <laughs> which is a little bit of a relief <laughs> you know it's like well they chose yeah. their parents better so <laughs> on the other yeah. hand whatever at least I could fall back on that yeah what what helped uh, put the, um, pro cyclocross world in perspective was actually getting to go to, uh, the world champs, uh, in, uh, Louisville, Kentucky and, and see that close mm-hmm. up. Cause that was the first and only time that, uh, I've had the opportunity to see, you know, literally, you know, truly the best in the world altogether, uh, racing cyclocross, uh, and making it look Easy on a on a super hard course in just really sloppy conditions uh, for the men's race, so yeah, it, it it does help you put it in perspective. Uh, so that's you know, what I'm I, uh, thankful for. What about? Oh, go ahead. Oh Sorry, go on.
1: No, 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 no. You had something. Yeah, you to say. know. Okay, so this is fine. You were you were you were about to say what I was thankful for, and that was that was where I was going, which is it's almost a oh, continuation okay. of uh, of that. But I am thankful for. Um, the, these opportunities kind of domestically to to rub shoulders a little bit with some of the some of the best racers around. Uh, last weekend, I went to Jingle Cross in Iowa City, which is three days of UCI Cyclocross racing. And you know, I got to see Jeremy Powers and Jamie Driscoll and Katarina Nash and Courtney McFadden and all these like really, you know high level kind of domestic level studs. Throw down for three days of racing in the cold and in the snow and in the changing conditions and on this course that was just routed in a bunch of different ways up this crazy hill called Mount Crumpet. Um, and it's what a name. Oh, despite the despite all, or maybe because of those vast differences in skill level between people like us and the people who are actually good at stuff, it's still so cool <laughs> that right. In, in this weird, terribly unprofitable way, cycling is a sport of the people where, you know, we don't have to pay to fill stadiums to to watch the sports happen from, you know, through binoculars. Uh, I can lean right over the course tape and, and film Katerina Nash bombing a muddy descent and, you know, have my sweetheart tell me to pull my arm back because Katerina Nash is going to take the line that I'm trying to, like, film and... You know, she whistles by oh, me. Oh yeah, like at Louisville HOA. I
0: almost had, uh, I, I had uh, Sven Ness's helmet almost hit me, uh, hit my camera as I was taking photos of them going, going oh. by. You know, I'll yeah, you that's this. my brush I with greatness. When I,
1: when I go to a big race, I am terrified that I'm going to be just crossing the course and I'll have a beer in my hand and I'll think that I looked both ways and I'll, I, I'll think that it was clear, but I'll just have this momentary lapse and I'm going to step out in front of somebody who's like really important, you know, step out in front of like Jeremy Powers. and He's going to go down and like, yeah. break his collarbone. And there's going to be like, you'll a be the guy who steps us. onto like, the course oh, in front of Jeremy that? Powers. yeah. And there's like a couple like blurry, like long distance, like incriminating pictures of me. And it comes out that it was me and I have to defend myself. And uh, I'm actually I'm terrified of that. I'm terrified of accidentally causing great harm. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, that's why they're course. I don't markers. want to do that.
1: No. No. Do we pay attention to no, them? We always think great. that that like we're we're totally capable of just looking on our own, right?
0: Well, maybe it's uh maybe I don't know. <laughs> it, it sort of depends on what part of the course they're in. <laughs> it's true that <laughs> in some corners, in some during some races at some corners of uh like the uh GP Gloucester course that the course marshals didn't even have that much to do. So you'd come up to cross the course, and they'd be like, <laughs> "Oh, oh, it's a person. Uh, looks okay. Go ahead."
1: <laughs> <There's> nothing <laughs> going on at that moment. Can I help you? Oh,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So now for our uh, our segment of uh, whoa this this comes to you from Ghent, Belgium during the uh, the Zestagza the uh, the six day track race when Thank uh, you for uh, apparently that. on the. Oh, you mean yeah. pronouncing Gesundheit. it all, all Flemish-like? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. De nada, yes. Uh, um, the, uh, somebody brought a cat into the Koopka velodrome, or a cat got into the Koopka velodrome, and there are some amazing it's really, pictures and we're videos. We're not quite
0: sure where the cat came from, but go on. Where sorry. did
1: the cat come from? There are these photos of a cat scrabbling up and down the banking trying to get away from riders clipping around at 55 kph. Uh oh and it's a and this is a steep velodrome too so this cat is really clambering <laughs> like
0: even <his> as <laughs> velodrome go. Cat come from.
1: Yeah so there's a video in
0: so we'll have a it's unfortunately not a great video it's some someone in the stands but we have a video uh, that we'll again have in our episode links. Uh <laughs> We've got this video, and you can sort of see him uh, saying, you know, stop the race, stop the race, because they've come around. We've got some slow motion. You can't, it's hard to see, but you can see this little blob kind of running up the track and into the stands, and eventually some guy catches it and and holds the whole thing, poor thing up by the nape of its neck, which isn't actually a nice way to hold a cat. But anyway, yeah, and, and of course, there are photos you can find, too, that are taken from much closer, so you can see this cat, and these bike racers, you can see, like, uh Cavendish or or Ijo Kess or someone just giving this cat the side
1: eye as they go by, like, <laughs> what the hell is that doing here? And and in the video the you can see the blue terrified. team, which is uh which is Kenny De Ketela and, and Jasper de Buist like almost like clipping this cat. Almost Oh, they come so cat. close to hitting the cat. It's like heart and oh, mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's really scary this part <laughs> this freaking cat as if as if six day races aren't <laughs> crazy enough. Like they're they're Madison races. There's six days of Madison racing conducted on these small Euro velodromes that are sometimes 250 meters, sometimes 200 meters, sometimes 180. I think the Kupka is like 160 meters, it's like 175, and, you know, probably 45, yeah, 160. It's, it's 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 small, and you know, for six days, you've got like Euro techno music like pumping, and Madison races, <laughs> Madisoning, and there are these like there are like crazy polka bands and other terrible things playing in the infield. The infield is just. A, a bizarre party a friend of mine said that the uh the infield party zone at the kuka velodrome was just the 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 floor was covered in like a half an inch of spilled beer um oh i hear it's like and, that. You know, it, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and it hasn't been too many years since you know these these indoor velodromes were just filled with cigarette smoke uh you know right for only days. like three was, years
0: yeah. Only three years since they banned smoking in like indoor spaces in Belgium, <laughs> Belgium anyway.
1: <Yeah. laughs> so you can just I mean, imagine
0: it's what it's, the like, rider experience is like.
1: Six day races are, are, are crazy and they're awesome and they're super exciting and some of them are you know said to be fixed or at least, you know, a little bit choreographed and you know, the the promoters kind of try and make sure that it, it comes down to the final Madison on the final night of racing and uh, all of the all of this stuff that that really reeks of you know kind of in, insider deals um it's hard to get a contract to erase a six day and oh it's your classic back
0: rooms kind of
1: <laughs> exactly and in the midst of this you know in one of one of the the biggest and kind of most legendary sixes on the calendar there's <laughs> there's a cat on the track what is going on when this photo first <laughs> popped up on, on the Twitters,
0: I literally thought that it was a Photoshop. <laughs> like, I thought someone was Photoshopping yeah. a cat onto a track for a laugh. And then it turned out, no, it's real. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and who, the, the question is, like, was this, is this a stray cat that got in there? Did someone think it was somehow appropriate to bring their pet cat to? a velodrome <laughs> like the the question of where the cat and so far as i can tell this question has yet to be answered so someone get on that please do some investigative journalism <laughs> i want to know where this cat reporter came
1: from. at head niece blood yeah you'd think that someone was like okay, okay i'm going to i'm going like... to track down the story of this freaking cat well if if they have in the is
0: probably in like flemish and I don't know. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of... It's like there was a little side note in most of the English language uh, news outlets. And there's been like, no follow-up. How could there be no follow-up on this story? If I were (laughs) running cycling news, if I were Neil Rogers over at Velo News, I would be pulling everyone off of everything else. I'd be like, track down this cat. We've got to get an interview. We need to find out what this cat was thinking. How did it get in there? What did it do when it got out? You know, (laughs) like... This should be that's, the number one that's priority the good
1: for, for me, every is news is that outlet. somebody
0: somebody people are like eyes, oh yeah cat on the track. track well you know well, six day well, yeah we were all a little oh, drunk
1: <laughs> Wait, what did they do with the cat did they just like stick it in their in their european men's carry all and like keep it for the rest of the evening or did they did they walk out into the surrounding park and and you know stumbling home to their to their house, did they just like chuck it into the underbrush? And we're like, bye, good cat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Can, is this, this cat is this, like be a freeze cat frame, frame on, on this? Is it Oh,
0: well, I hope the cat is okay. I hope the cat has, has yeah. found you know its its owner or some kind of loving home or something. That's <laughs> it's, it's mm-hmm. just a truly talk about your bad day just ending up on a velodrome, <laughs> you know. I'm actually impressed that this cat was able to climb the banking, uh, you know, yeah. just about the steepest point on it. So good. I mean, you know, it's like it's you probably like forty forty five degree banking on this velodrome. Yeah, man. If not I don't know. steep, I, don't yeah. know. I just yeah, I just I want to see more in this story. I want to see more. Velo news, you're letting us down, Neil Rogers. If you're listening, Neil Rogers,
1: get on it.
0: Which you aren't. Yeah, but. You should, First of all, Rogers, you should be listening.
1: But second of all... They've got, the bu- they've, they've got the budget to fly some people to Ghent. There's an airport in downtown Ghent, right? Just take take the Vela News corporate jet there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Flemish is easy to pick up, right, for an American uh, cycling reporter well, I mean, who's used to publishing flush pieces about Zip's latest wheel.
0: Oh, yeah, well, you know, it's just uh, Dutch with a little bit of extra Flem. Yeah. Right?
1: Do that make sense? Yeah, it's It's like it's like German, Dutch, and English all getting into a car crash together. And and then being sung by Tom Waits. Mm.
0: Actually that'd be a good song. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should Alright, maybe we should put a a stick of fork in this one. (laughs) Alright, play us out, keyboard. Yeah. Damn I just want to spend okay. Ooh, I'll recover. Uh, I guess well, I just want to bring it back around very briefly to uh, mm-hmm. what we started with, which was the spa Francorchamps. Uh Actually, have you seen – do you mind – were you spoiled on this already on the winner of this uh, race? No, go for it. It's fine. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm very pleased okay. that uh, – hey, Kevin, Kevin Paul's won a big bike race again. He's having a he's yeah. having a good year. Yeah, he had a he had a couple
1: uh, a couple low volume years after his real his real like serious debut. And it's, it's nice like to 2011, him right? Really, he was
0: really good, and then he had yeah a couple more low volume years. But he seems to be totally back in the game. And you know, I didn't when I first got into following. I mean, I don't follow cross super serious, I don't follow any of the pro racing super seriously right now uh a little burned out but Mm -hmm. cross is kind of the bigger one right now and uh i didn't really pay him much mind at first but you know i've become really i don't know i I like his style and when you know when he's kind of off he's really sort of off but when he's when his head Mm -hmm. is in the game he's a really solid racer and i think is it i don't want to uh talk too much about much about it because i don't know how much of it is like a known thing versus just rumor but i believe he's somewhere autism spectrum um yeah
1: this and this this is said and you know i i've i've googled fiercely for confirmation that i it. can't
0: really find but
1: yeah you know, i don't know
0: it seems well accepted but not sort of it's not something he's sort of uh or or his people have said so but you know i think that he's kind of potentially an inspiring figure in that way like and he's Mm -hmm. i think it's cool because you know you don't see his personality uh really in his interviews because he's so uh withdrawn and and all that but you do Mm -hmm. see his personality in in the way he races and rides a bike like for sure yeah he has you know he has a distinctive style uh so it's i don't know it's cool to see and uh i actually i have to say like I was I was looking for uh, Vanderhaar to to w- uh, win that one um, because uh, I identify with Lars Vanderhaar because he's a short man doing quite well <laughs> <laughs> in bike racing, <laughs> in cyclocross like where you, you seem to have a lot of gangly types for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, but it's nice yeah, to see but, some but of those punchy yeah, little meatballs getting in on the worthy, action. Worthy winner.
1: <laughs> yes, he is a punchy I'll, little I want to tack on, you know, one of the things I like about Kevin Powell's victory is that this year, you know, seems to be a year of of a lot of young riders. Uh, really cracking through and getting those wins again. You know, so Kevin Powell's had a a breakout season several seasons ago and then kind of quieted down a little bit. So did Tom Mewson, who had, you know, a bunch of big wins and then went real quiet and was kind of, you know, always nipping around there like in the top 10, but never really racing for the win again. And I was thinking like, what's going on? But this year, and, you know, maybe some of it has to do with Niels Albert retiring, or maybe Sven Nijs just, you know, isn't able to win, like, a jillion races a year like he has been able to do for the past, like, 37 years somehow. But, uh, you know, Kevin Powell's got a couple wins. Uh, Klaus van der Nutt, um he, he won a race uh, a week or two ago. Tom Huston's had a couple. And then, you know, these 19- and 20-year-olds, Woot van Ert and uh, Matthew Vanderpol have have won some races, and that's just, like... I think we've seen like more yeah. diversity in winners in Eurocross and especially in terms of, you know, some of the, some of the young riders coming up and really making a name for themselves. And that's just awesome to yeah. see because
0: it's a super, cross it's can a, be a super pretty super small field right now.
1: It, yeah. It, it, it certainly
0: yeah. can. It certainly can. This Wootman Art, I hadn't even, you know, everyone had been talking about Matthew Vanderpool. Everyone knew about him, but there's been a little bit less noise, I think, about uh, Wootman Art, but he just, he just rode away from everyone in, uh uh cook like which is a super hard yeah. ridiculous course tons of just all yeah. sand dunes so yeah it's good to see these guys and you can see uh like for example with vanderpoel we're getting into nitty-gritty racing now i guess but you know but you can see in the way he rides his his inexperience compared to some of the other guys you know he he'll he'll go out mm-hmm. too hard and blow up and uh doesn't yeah. pace himself always you know super well but you know the talent is just kind of like hard to deal with it's like how many years yeah. until you know he's winning freaking everything. Um but you know, oh but, man I don't know. There's yeah. a bunch of new guys coming up and it is an open playing field right now, which is it's been a cool it's been cool to watch races um so far. Yeah.
1: So,
0: you know, because it's been often a different guy. You know, we, yeah, with Tom Muson and with uh class Note, and uh Kevin Pauls has won a couple races. Uh Lars won a race already. Yeah. It's been
1: pretty yeah. fun. Actually about the only
0: person who hasn't, I think oh no that's
1: not true. Uh, Sven Ness won a race
0: yeah there you go yeah
1: yep fun to and watch I, I i feel i feel like i i need to you know like put, put a little shout out to like jeremy powers for his race at coxida which you know i don't think he was entirely happy with 17th but 17th on a, on a course like Cooksida and and he was he was racing in the top 10 or right on the edge of the top 10 for a good chunk of the middle that was that was and really, there's just
0: cool. no opportunity in the united states to race you know to prepare for courses like that really you know it's just there's we don't have anything remotely like that you know that's why that's why it's so hard for the american cross races to go over there and do really well and especially on on a course like that actually i don't know this is a little bit more of a a lesser light kind of upper uh sorry up and comer but uh one of so jeremy powers has this development uh team this uh, jam fund uh team and one of his uh kind of protege on that team who's been doing really well in the u.s recently Stephen uh t hyde is that his name uh Mm -hmm. managed it had a little bit of camera time during the early uh laps at spot francol champ um and i don't actually know how he finished i mean certainly he started far far down he probably finished far down but it was kind of cool to see him out there too Uh, but yeah these are hard courses and they're very very different from from what these guys are racing day in and day out and you know if you ask you know, I've seen people ask the the European pros, the Belgian pros, you know, what is it about? What's different about the American racers, or can the American racers do well? Are they good? And you know, they they all seem to say like, if it's on, you know, an American type course, if it's relt, if it's fast and dry, um, then you know, they're world beaters. Uh, but
1: well, that's totally it. You know, uh, has, powers got powers got seventh in the the opening world cup uh two not last year but the season before i, I don't remember what it was but you know yeah it was just a, a ripping fast race where where you know there i there was there, i think there was like a group of four you know like riding together and then like a big group of like six or seven riders behind, you know like pack racing uh yeah on cyclocross courses just just ripping fast and and yeah and that's where he he got you know the best his best finish in a world cup
0: yeah, yeah, it can be done. It can be done. Uh, Jonathan Page had a silver medal at Worlds in two thousand seven. You know, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: it can be done. But it seems so long ago now. But
1: uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, Americans, the the brief you know glimpses of nationalism when we get all bike racy about stuff. It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's
0: just about. It's one of the few ways in which. You know, I I kind of feel, (laughs) I sort of feel like, well, what the hell, you know, what am I going to do? People will kind of get, I don't know, a little bit worked up about tribalism and how you, I don't know, I think you're supposed to be a sophisticated international person, but... Look at the way people enjoy sports in Europe. You know, they're all super nationalists. <laughs> they're doing okay. Oh, yeah. The that's Europeans like
1: the only... are so sophisticated it's... and international about sports.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's, it's, you know, these days it's kind of like the only acceptable way to kind of have international conflict with it. Well, that's not really true, I guess. But, but uh, you know, amongst sort of uh, the most developed nations, you know, well, we can't shoot each other anymore, but we can have sporting events. So, you know, I, I figure I'd rather that. then they're shooting each other so i'm all i'm all fine with it i have no you know it's like regardless of anything else like yeah you know i I do feel a connection like you know i share a a home and culture with someone then that means i identify with them that's okay it's fine yeah yeah so yeah don't be don't be you know there's like the classic thing on like the the you know if like a cycling publication starts decides they're gonna have Boards than people, you know, forums, then people, you know, immediately start posting threads about how, uh, you know, oh, of course you did a profile on, you know, American bike racer A, B, or C. Maybe tried, you know,
1: mentioning so and so.
0: Like, who do you think the readership's going to identify with
1: most? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. American gets oh, yeah. top 10 in World Cup is a lot more exciting than, you know, Belgian wins World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Or Belgian podiums, World Cup, or
0: Belgians yeah. dominate podium at World. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah. we've seen that headline before. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe. All right. Uh, this would be a good time to wrap Sorry. wrap this thing up to put a <laughs> no no no. It's fine. But yeah, maybe we should uh, put a pin in it. Is that is that a thing they say? Is that right? It's, it's point is pull the pin. Show's out, over so you and it. you can go home. At- well that's about all the time that we have for today because we're at the end of the show uh not because we've hit an arbitrary time limit but because this is when we're doing the outro and it's time to go so this has been the working man's honest bicycle program we appreciate you listening as always hey uh, if you want to help to us out minutes. in this season, we'll give you thanks. Uh, we will give great thanks if you could, say, uh, leave a review on iTunes or uh, tell people about the show on Twitter or by word of mouth. Uh, anyway... The show, of course, lives at standarddouble.com slash WHPP. You can also find uh, my blog that I very occasionally post pictures of bicycle tools to there. Uh, and you can catch me <laughs> at Twitter at Grolby, G-R-O-L-B-Y.
1: And Matty, where can you be found on the Twitters? I am on Twitter at underscore matty o. That's underscore M-A-T-T-I-O. All right. This has been the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. That's right. Catch you guys soon. And you can get anything you want at Alice's restaurant. At Alice's restaurant.